In many cultures, it is customary to try to strike the best deal possible when you decide to purchase something. The price that something is advertised at is not necessarily the price that it will be sold at. And there is the art of the deal, the art of the haggle. The person with the best negotiation skills on either side, either buying or selling, gets the best price, gets the best outcome. And if you don't get the price you want, you can just go to the next person in the market and start the process again. Maybe even eventually coming back to the first person again to see if they've changed their mind in the meantime. In the general Australian culture, generally the price that is advertised is the price that it sells for, unless there is a sale. And that is always initiated by the seller, not by the buyer. I haven't heard of anyone going in and saying, Let, let's put a sale on today. But even in our Australian culture, we still have pockets where the art of the deal still comes into play. For example, buying and selling websites like, like Gumtree, where you advertise a price and almost certainly somebody will test the waters with a lower price, even a ridiculously low offer. Some local markets might also operate on that basis as well. And buying and selling was traditionally done that way in biblical times as well. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 20 in verse 14, It is not, it is not, or it is nothing, it is nothing, says the buyer. But when he has gone his way, then he boasts. It can be quite a thrill to come out at the best end of a transaction. If you are selling something you think is of little worth and you can convince somebody to buy it for a good price, then you feel like boasting. And if you can convince a seller to lower their price and get a bargain in the process, you feel like boasting, just like the book of Proverbs says. And even though most prices are set in shops in Australia, we still get people going from store to store, whether by foot or electronically, looking for the best price they can get. I want to find this at a better price. I want to find this at, um, at something that, that fit, more fits with what I want to buy it for. It seems to be part of human nature for the most part. Why buy something for more when you can get it for less? Or try to get it for less, at least. And sometimes there is even a clash of cultures where people try to haggle over prices in standard stores, only for the owner to stand firm, because that is not what happens over here. I've seen that happen at least once or twice. The point is that shopping around is a part of human nature. But the problems really occur when that attitude and that mindset are applied to leadership or to spiritual things. 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 1. If we can turn there, we're going to read a little bit about what happens here. So 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 1. What had happened is that King Solomon had reigned for a very long time, but now was the time for his son to take the throne, or one of his sons to take the throne. First Kings 12 and 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass, when Jeroboam the son of Nabat, 
who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make you the grievous service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve you. They were saying, you know, if, if, you, if you just lift some of the, the heavy bondage that you've put on us, the, the taxing, the, the, the stuff that was originally done to uh, build the, the temple of God, then if you make that lighter, then we will serve you. We'll be happy for you to be our king. And he, which is Rehoboam, said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If you will be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give you that we may answer this people, who have spoken unto me, saying, Make the yoke which your father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spoke unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto the people that spoke unto you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shall you say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now whereas my father did load you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Basically their, their um, counsel was to do what his father did, but, my, but worse, but harder, but more grievous. And... It was completely different to what the old men were saying. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I'll add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Exactly what the young men had counsel. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to your own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents, the saying, saying, um, this guy, he's not even from our, 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 our nations. He's not even from our tribes. Goodbye. Not going to listen to you anymore. You cannot be king over us. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adorim, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. 
This was a significant event in the nation of Israel. David had ruled well and in a godly manner after taking over from Israel's first king, King Saul, who had failed. And then Solomon had started magnificently, but had fallen into sin and idol worship by the end of his reign. And now it was time to hand over the reins to one of Solomon's sons, Rehoboam. Rehoboam had as a father the wisest man who ever walked the earth. God specifically gave Solomon this wisdom. And Solomon wrote Proverbs addressed to his son to teach him, really all of his children, wisdom. And to tell them to seek wisdom and find it. And that it was the principle or the main thing that they needed to do to rule and to live life. Rehoboam knew all of this. He would have known many of the Proverbs off by heart. And so he sought wise counsel when he was about to be made king. He knew what the people wanted. That was made obvious to him. So he sought the wisdom of the elders, the people who had lived a full life and seen everything. They were wise enough to stand before Solomon, his father, and give Solomon counsel. Even though Solomon was the wisest man in the earth, they were good enough to stand with him and to to talk, discuss hard matters with him. So they gave their godly and wise counsel to Rehoboam. But the problem was that what the people wanted and what the wise men counseled Rehoboam to do, which was the same thing, was not what Rehoboam himself wanted to do. So Rehoboam started to shop around for somebody to tell him what he wanted to hear who agreed with his own ideas and his perception of things. This message is titled Shopping Around this morning. And he found what he wanted first time when he counseled with the people of his own age who had not had time to develop full wisdom, who did not have the life experiences and the perspective that the elders had, who had a way of looking at life that was tainted by naivety and youthful energy but no wisdom to go with it. And they told Rehoboam exactly what he wanted to hear. And he took it as confirmation that his own way of thinking that he already had was right and it was correct. But when you start to shop around in a leadership or a spiritual sense, there are always consequences. And the consequences for Rehoboam were severe and they were permanent. The powerful kingdom of Israel, which was the glory of the entire earth in King David's and especially King Solomon's days, was now divided in two and it would never recover. It took generations of mostly wicked kings, multiple exiles, and then the mighty hand of God for the nation to come back together as one. Rehoboam shopped around to find exactly what he wanted at the price that he wanted. He ignored the people's reasonable requests. There was no need for big building programs anymore. There was no need for the taxes. There was no need, and and even Solomon built, built all of his houses um, his, his magnificent palace that he, he wanted to build. There was, there was no other major building project that needed to be done. And so there was no need for those taxes to still be there, but he ignored it. He wanted things to keep going. He wanted to be richer. He wanted to have more power. He ignored the people's reasonable requests. He ignored the wisdom of those that had gone before. And his failure had permanent consequences 
to himself and the children of Israel until the nation became no more and went into exile. And when we start talking about the church and shopping around, we start to talk about salvation issues. Actually, we'll go back just a little bit. I mentioned that any time that you shop around in a spiritual or a leadership sense, there are consequences. The Bible is full of examples. There was Moses when the Lord had led them into just outside the promised land, sent spies in, and the spies came back bringing different reports. And they had a choice to make. Moses was saying, we can go in. Moses was the spiritual authority. Moses was the one that they should have been listening to because he was speaking in the place of God to them. And two of the spies actually agreed with Moses, but the rest of the spies, the other ten, brought the bad report. And the children of Israel kind of thought, well, who are we going to believe? They kind of shopped around which one fits in with how we feel, with, with how we feel about these reports. And they ended up choosing the wrong side. He ended up choosing um, the way that God had, had uh, something that was going to take them away from God. And their consequences is they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The kings, um, most were bad in um, um, basically in, in the, the entire lineage of kings through both kingdoms, through both Israel and and Judah after it was split, they tended to have multiple prophets that would would um, that they would go to and and you know there's there's um, there's safety in multitude of counselors they say but it's not always the case in a spiritual sense and so there were kings that had multiple um, prophets that would would speak to them but the problem was that those prophets were the ones that would tell them what they wanted to hear. And so they kept them around. And here's another one that, 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 that tells me what I want to hear. That's, that's telling me good things, that I'm going to win at war, that, that what I'm doing is right. And so they built up all of these, these prophets that, that were, were basically in line with, with their own internal thinking. And the prophets that were prophets of God were put in jail or killed and but because they didn't agree with the rest of the prophets. And what happened there was that there was a continual ignoring. They supposedly had the, the voice of the Lord talking to them, that everything was going to be fine, that the, the, the kingdom was going to stand. And, and, and their continual ignoring of actual God's actual words caused them caused complete destruction and exile for the, the, first the nation of Israel and then the nation of Judah. Even going back as far as Adam and Eve, Eve had a choice to make and she had to work out what what she was going to do. She had the voice of God. She had the spiritual authority. She had Adam tell her what, what God had told her, but she had someone else tell her something different. She had the, the snake, the serpent, come and tell her something different. So how did she feel about it? What did she feel about it? Um, and then she looked at, at, at the, the fruit and, and she, she realized, she, she decided that, hey, this guy, 
this guy speaking something that, that, that I think is right. I think it's right. And so she shopped around and the consequences were sin upon the entire of mankind. When we start talking about the church and shopping around, we start to talk about salvation issues. Many people look for the right church that suits them down to the ground. The problem often with that is that we have a flesh. We have our own will and our own desires which don't always match up and very rarely match up with what God wants for us. And when somebody thinks that they've found the right church, they start to settle in. But sooner rather than later, they find that reality doesn't match their first impressions. They don't like what the preacher is saying. Or they don't like the godly advice that the pastor gives them. Or somebody says something that hurts them or offends them deeply. And rather than letting Jesus heal the hurts, they look for something better. They shop around other churches, usually studying in the same denomination, but worryingly, even other churches that don't believe the same things that the Word of God plainly teaches because they're looking for something to satisfy their flesh rather than what God wants to do in their lives. And what happens is that the same problems that they had in the first church will follow them wherever they go. That's the consequences because you don't let God deal with the core issue within you, then it's going to follow you because it's already inside you. Because they don't let Jesus deal with the core issues within themselves They seek something that will please them and make them feel comfortable, make them feel at home. The truth isn't as important to them as feeling comfortable or at home. When God is less concerned about our comfort than our salvation, he's more interested in seeing us get to heaven, he's more interested in seeing us be changed into his image than he is in our individual comfort. God has put spiritual authority in our lives. Jesus is our spiritual authority. He is the head of the church, but we don't get to have conversations with Jesus and speak spiritual advice. Those who think they do need to be really careful that they're not listening to their own voice or the voice of Satan instead. Because Jesus hasn't said that he's going to come and he's going to talk to us individually and we're going to have have chats with him and, and we get his, his perfect advice because Jesus has given pastors to the church to guide and lead and instruct and correct when necessary. That's part of the structure that he put into place. And a godly pastor like Pastor Simon does their very best to be in tune with the mind of the Lord and give you the guidance and advice that is best for your spiritual walk with Jesus. The problem comes when the advice doesn't fit in with what you want or to hear or to do. That's where the problem comes. And if it's godly advice, then it probably won't fit in with what we want to hear or what we want to do. Because we have our own flesh to battle that wants to do what it wants to do. That wants to hear what it wants to hear. That wants to be fed. So what happens is that then there is the temptation to either ignore that advice, which is generally spiritually suicide, um, or to shop around other people in the church to get their advice as well. People that you look up to or people that you think will agree with your way of seeing things. And if you keep looking, you will find that somebody 
you, you'll find that somebody that you're looking for, guaranteed. They may not be the most spiritual person or they may not understand the full situation. You will find someone who will tickle your ears. You will find someone who will tell you what you want to hear, even if it's completely against what the pastor has told you. But the consequences of ignoring or rebelling against the spiritual authority that God has placed in your life, the pastor will always come into play. There will be significant consequences. And you may even lose your salvation. It is that important. If you choose to believe a saint's opinion over the advice of the pastor, you are wrong. If you choose to believe a department leader's advice over the advice of the pastor, then you're also wrong. If you choose to believe an elder's advice over the advice of the pastor, you're wrong. You're ignoring your spiritual authority. And therefore, you're ignoring God and what he wants to do in your life. Are pastors always perfect and never have a bad day? No, they're human like us. But I can guarantee that if you seek spiritual counsel from the pastor, that God will speak to you and direct your paths through that conversation. But only if you're willing to listen. Many people go to the pastor um, in exactly the same way that Rehoboam did. They go with their own mind made up as to what they think should happen. And so when the pastor says something that doesn't agree with that, there's that conflict. There is generally that rebelling. There is generally that ignoring. There is generally that rejection of what is said. And that is always to our detriment whenever we do that. And if you think you're on solid ground because you've read something in the Bible and you think the Bible supports your view, then you should read Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, and, and that's talking about um, going to heaven and, um, um, and, and, and making it, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He is truly gracious to us and long-suffering. Even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It talks here about people wrestling the Scriptures, having their own interpretation of what it says, talking about um, believing things that are just not true. They, they, they're trying to fit the Bible into what their own idea is and, and what they think it says and what they think it should say. Some of the Bible isn't easy to understand. It's true. And if you read the Bible superficially, just on the surface, just read through the words, it can often seem to be saying one thing. But if you look a bit deeper, 
If you look at the scriptures in their context, using the scriptures written before and after what you are looking at, and you match it with the theme of the rest of the Bible as a whole, you can see the full picture and the correct interpretation. It is really dangerous to read the Bible and then have it set in your mind that a particular passage means one specific thing and refuse to change your viewpoint. But look through other parts of the Bible to to try to find things that match up with what you think it says. That is really, really dangerous. Why do you think that we have so many different churches, different denominations in the world today that believe different things from the same Bible? And often different denominations believe things that are are not compatible with the other denominations. It's the same Bible. How can there be so many different beliefs and so many different things that, that just don't match up and don't merge together. The Bible never has two opposing viewpoints within it. It is the most unified book in history, with the most consistent theme and the most consistent morality in it. That's because God was and is the author. He just used different people to write it down for our benefit. So sometimes you need to look a little deeper to get the true interpretation Because the true interpretation will always line up with the rest of the Bible and not just be something that we think we have some revelation that nobody has ever seen before because that's almost always going to be wrong. That's why some churches believe in predestination. That certain people have been predestined to be saved and nothing can change that. Because some scriptures on the surface do seem to indicate that. If you look at it without looking deeper, without looking at the context, without looking beyond the surface of what it seems to say. When you look a little deeper, those scriptures aren't saying that at all. And when you look at the rest of the Bible, there are many scriptures that indicate that we need to be careful that we don't lose our salvation. Be careful, it says, you know, people people leading people away to destruction and, and all sorts of stuff. And Jesus talked about about someone being in, a, in, in the wedding feast with their wedding garment on, them being cast into outer darkness. If there was predestination, that wouldn't happen. And we, we, we wouldn't need those extra scriptures. That would be a waste of time if we were predestined to go to heaven anyway. And so when you look at the context of the entire Bible, what it says, you need to look a little deeper and realize that it's not talking about predestination of individual people. We're talking about the church being predestinated or um, the, the group of people that God has pre- predestined that people in the church are going to be go to heaven and those who, who actually choose to follow Jesus and, and be a part of the church, those are the ones that are going to be taken with the rest of the church. That is what has been predestined, that the church is going to be saved and go to heaven. And it's also the same reason why false doctrine goes around our national churches sometimes as well. Things like all of the words we say having spiritual power. This is a complete misinterpretation of Scripture. When we speak under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we are speaking God's words and His words have power. But our ordinary everyday words have just as much power as we do ourselves. Which is not much in case you were wondering. We... We definitely don't have any spiritual power in the normal words that we speak. We have so many denominations because people, usually one person, have got it stuck in their mind that certain scriptures mean this and nothing else. 
And they try to, and they either ignore or try to explain away the other parts of the Bible that don't agree with their interpretation. They shop around with the Bible. I'll have this. Not interested in that. Ignore that. Um, a good example was um, Martin Luther um, when he, he brought in um, the, the fact that um, being saved by faith alone. And he ignored um, the book of James, which talks about you needing to have faith and works. He talked to, about it, it being a, 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 a book of, I forget what his, his actual words were, but he talked about being corrupt, being, being worthless, and, and not, being, um, not worthy to be ignored. But where the, where the, the truth is that the, the Catholic Church, everything was by, by works, um, the time that he was in. And he was bringing some enlightenment into, or trying to bring some enlightenment into the church at that time. But he went too far the other way. He ignored parts of the Bible. The truth is that we need faith and we need to act on that faith. And that is the, the full theme of the Bible there. So people shop around with the Bible. I have this. Not interested in that. I'll ignore that. They look at different Bible translations to choose the version that fits in with the way that they see it. Oh, this, this seems to say something that I don't really agree with. Oh, this translation, hey, it means something completely different. Hey, I'll choose that. that. That looks good to me. And it all comes down to the same thing as King Rehoboam. They've said their mind that this is the best way. This is the right way. And ignore anybody and everybody else who disagrees. They look for other people to agree with them. And take that as confirmation that they are right. They build up a following after themselves. But there are always consequences. Confusion is a consequence. Not knowing the right way to take is another consequence. The reduction of morality is another consequence. When you don't follow the full Bible, the way that God has written it, and the way that God meant it, then you always... Every, then, then, then sin starts creeping in every single time, every single time, because there are consequences to not following God's word fully. It is really easy to get spiritually lost and unable to find the right path, which puts your salvation at risk. We can't interpret the Bible alone. We will get it wrong. And that's why we need our spiritual authority in our lives. That's why we need anointed preaching over the pulpit. That's why we need to listen to the spiritual authority in our lives and to the preaching over the pulpit because God will speak to us. He will correct our wrong way of thinking. He will help us to go down the right path. Too many people have started their own denominations because they got it wrong. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people. How many different denominations are there? thinking that they have seen something that nobody else has, some powerful truth. And some of them know that they're speaking lies as well, but they just want to follow him. They just want something different. They want to have people to, to come behind them and they want the power. They want the authority over other people. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Um, Talking about prophetic words, speaking um, uh, speaking of the future, but there's also the sense um, that 
of speaking out, of speaking God's words to people. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's our entire Bible. They were moved by the Holy Ghost to write the Bible. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. He's talking to the church there. He shall privately or privately, doing it in secret, bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bore them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Yeah, it seems like there are consequences for not following the word of God, for not following spiritual authority. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil, spoken of. So many different ideas, so many different supposed ways of coming to Jesus. And through covetousness shall they, with feigned words, make merchandise of you. You're just another purchase to them. Hey, just another follower, just another thing. Hey, I'm going to shop around for those who, who will follow me. Whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers or sleeps not. There are consequences to those who don't follow the Bible and godly authority. God will judge those that shop around. God will judge those that seek to find people to agree with what they already believe. It does not pay to have something said in your heart and then not allow God to deal with it or to change it. God will bless those that have open hearts and are willing to confront the ugliness in their lives by listening to the preaching and the pastor because we all want what we want and we all want to hear what we want to hear. But only those who listen and act on what God is saying and don't shop around will be the ones that change to be more like Jesus. And that is the process that gets us to glory, to heaven. That is our home, as the tongue interpretation said this morning. Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. If your face is closed, if you're, you're hiding your face from the truth and what God is trying to reveal to you, you're not looking at the full, full picture of Jesus in the mirror, then that process doesn't happen. You don't get changed into the image of Jesus. You don't get changed into the likeness of Jesus from glory to glory. But there is a blockage. There is, there is a resistance. There is a rejection. If I could get someone to the piano, please. We can't afford to chop around in church. There are consequences. And they are, they are pretty severe. So many people disagree with what the pastor says. And usually, if the disagreement is, is enough, they're not willing to to back down or to change their point of view. They're, they're not willing to listen to Jesus. They're not willing to listen to the preaching of the pulpit. Normally what happens is they leave the church. And usually they go to a different church um, originally. But what happens is then they start, because the same problems 
follow them, as we, we mentioned this morning. And they eventually go to churches that don't preach the truth. And eventually, they lose their salvation. Because we cannot afford to have hard hearts, church. We cannot afford to be stubborn in believing what we want to believe and not allowing Jesus to shine his light on it, to see whether it truly is his word. It's in line with his word. It's the right interpretation. It's, 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 it's what he wants for our lives. I just really feel a heaviness and an urgency. You need to follow Jesus this morning. And that's not going to come from an actual conversation with Jesus, but it's going to come through the preaching. It's going to come through talking to the pastor. It's going to, it's going to come when God starts to deal with your heart, but if you're stubborn, then that's a slippery slope and a slippery path that only leads into one way. Again and again and again in the Old Testament when people shopped around there were consequences. There was destruction. Kings died. People wandered in the wilderness. Entire nations were sent into exile because they refused to listen to the words of God that were spoken into their lives. And maybe you found yourself resisting the word of the Lord this morning whether it's this morning or whether it's been at other times and, and you've been holding to your own views on it, even though you've been given advice or, or there's been strong preaching over the pulpit, I urge you to let your heart be open to Jesus this morning. I urge you to not be stubborn in your thinking that it has to be this way or, or to try to find things that they just match up with what you already think. That's your flesh. That's you wanting what you want. It's you not wanting to change. It's you not wanting to be more like Jesus. And if you refuse to become like Jesus, then you're going to become less like him. You're either growing towards him, you're growing away. When a plant stops growing, it starts dying. There has to be that continual growth. And it's the same with our spiritual walk. It's been likened to seeds being planted in soil. There should be growth. There should be continual growth. There should be allowing access to that sunlight of God's word and, and allowing that growth process to change us. It, it, we're not meant to stay the same. We're not meant to be the way we were. 10 years ago or 5 years ago we're meant to be changing to his, into his image from glory to glory and if you find that you keep getting stuck on something now is the time to start letting the light of Jesus just flood into your heart and say Lord I've been stubborn I haven't been listening to you Lord please I want to follow you I want to be like you. I want to make it to heaven because the, the more that you resist, the further away you get from Jesus and your heart grows cold and, and bitter. 
So if you would stand with me this morning. I hadn't planned to say any of those words this morning, but I believe the Lord is speaking to someone. In particular this morning, you need to open your heart. You need to let Jesus shine his light and his word into it. Because we don't get to choose what we believe in the Bible. We have to believe it the way that he gave it to us. In the full truth. Not just cherry picking. That's, that's spiritual suicide. And so I invite you to come to the front if you want to dedicate your life to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. Even if I don't like what it is that I'm hearing. Even if I'd rather do anything else. Even if it hurts to listen and to obey. I just want to follow you, Jesus. I want to make it. I want to make it. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to start shriveling up. My spiritual life spirit shriveling up. But I want to go to be with you. So now is the time to dedicate your life. Now is the time to say, God, I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to follow the spiritual authority that you've put in my life. Once you come, if you can feel the tug of the Lord at your heart, then now is the time for, for consecration, dedication to him.